Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast listener segment where we answer your questions. So make sure you email us and let us know what questions you have, and we will do our best to answer them on our next question and answer segment. Chuck, what are the questions today? Yeah, John, we've got a few questions. Uh, some of these are from our HR Team of One community on yeah. Facebook. And folks, if you haven't had a chance, you need to, if you're on Facebook, uh, you need to get on the HR Team of One community. We've got almost 3,000 members, and it's a great support group for you and for people that uh, have all kind of interesting HR questions. And one of our questions is from the Compliance Warriors Facebook page. Our friend over there, Lisa Smith, someone posted a great question there. So I cannot wait to get into these three questions. All right. I can't wait. So question number one, John. Yes. How do you feel or how do you deal with an employee who refuses to work alone with a member of the opposite sex citing religious convictions. Now the employee is saying that he, and it's a he, does not want to be alone with the opposite sex. And I would guess from the question females um, for any reason, for any reason, Uh, what do you do and how do you handle the situation? I think it's a great question, right? And so, um, it was first when I first read it, right? When I first read that question, I got to say, I was a little baffled. Like, I'm like, oh, how would I handle that? What, what, are, what are the things I do need to be thinking about in terms of as an HR professional, where, where are the chances that may trip me up? Um, and so when you kind of start thinking about that, I think the key here is citing religious convictions, Mm-hmm. Right. And so do they have a deeply held belief? Right. It doesn't need to be necessarily a religious belief, but a deeply held belief that they cannot work with alone with a female worker or a male worker, somebody of the opposite sex. And so if that's the case, then I think we go to religious accommodation. Right. And so we would have to look. Can we provide a religious accommodation to this individual? Um, and so there was a big court case, I think it was um, maybe three years ago, a couple of years ago, where there was a deputy sheriff in North Carolina who did not want to work, um, not train female deputies because of his religious, they didn't want to be in the same car with them because of his religious belief. And so what they were talking about is what they call the Billy Graham rule. And the Billy Graham rule, I mean, it's a, it's a really more complicated than this, but the basically that, Billy Graham, right? Yes. Yeah. You can't be in um, the same room alone with somebody that is the opposite sex if they're not your married partner. Um, and so that's so a lot of religion for a lot of religious Christians. That is an important rule that they want to follow. And so looking at that becomes an important religious accommodation Now, what they were saying was it was going to be an undue hardship to do that religious accommodation. So this went all the way up into the Fifth Circuit and Mm -hmm. then ended up being settled out of court, right? So we don't know what that settlement was. My guess was they probably paid him off a little bit and he said, okay, I won't work there anymore, right? And so he would find a better job to do that. 
Um, what, what is your take? What are you thinking about when you read that question? Sure. So uh, in this case, I had a little more info from the questionnaire. I They shared that it's a smaller company and they have to go out in the field. They also have a lot of males in the company with very few females, but they do have to interact, including the HR person is female. And that's the person that posted the question. I found it very interesting on a number of levels. But I would approach it like any other accommodation request uh, by seeing if it is reasonable. You know, so many parameters need to be understood here. But the primary parameter that I would see is what is alone in the same room, you know, with the door open? Is it out in the field walking to a job site? Is it the same cubicle? It sounds like this person is willing to work with the opposite sex, but not be alone with them. And based on what this uh, question Air has shared, my sense leans me towards uh, that this may not be a reasonable request, depending depending on what the definition of alone is and the setup of the office. Um, and then another thing to keep in mind, John, is what if the person had said, hey, I don't want to be alone with a coworker based on their race, based on their religion, based on their sexual orientation. It sure does add a, a, a different perspective when you go in that direction. Uh, so my summary is define alone and get examples and suggestions from that person. I'm glad you found that court case. I wasn't aware of that. So that's huge. So this yeah. has been, when I first saw this question, I was like, oh, that's really an off question I've never heard of before, but there's actually a court case and it's actually yeah. happening out there. And there's another court case that I found interesting. It's, a, it's kind of similar where it was a dentist, right? It's the dentist, male dentist running his office had a uh, female assistant, a dental assistant working for him, one of the best, she was great, worked for them. The wife of the dentist said, you need to fire her. I'm jealous, you need to fire her. Um, and so it became a question of, so that he ended up firing her, right? Firing his best thing because he didn't want to upset his wife, so fired this person. Um, and you know, right, dentists and dental hygienists work very close together in the same room together, um, doing all that stuff. And so the question in that case was, what, were they firing that person because of their gender or because of their personal feelings towards mm -hmm. that person? And so in this case, they look employment at will. It was directly related to their personal feelings, not to that person's gender. Um, and so the dentist won that lawsuit. Um, but I found that fascinating when you kind of dive yeah. into the kind of things, right? And so that employment at will is an important um, thing to kind of remember when we're doing these things. So, yeah. so right, what's that took a little, well, it took a little more time, but we got to get on. So we get our 15 minutes yeah. in. So this is one right up your alley, John, because uh, it's any ideas how to bring an admin, an administrative person, assistant, I think, out of her shell. Uh, this question says, I hesitate to use the word antisocial, but I'm at my wits end trying to deal with her. 
Uh, she'll use one word responses that I have to practically drag out of her. No socialization at all. Avoiding phone calls or videos whenever possible. She skips the one-on-ones I have scheduled. Lately, I've had a few challenges moving to into a strategic direction because of, of the lack of information from her. Um, I added an agenda to her one-on-one to help her realize, you know, what they're for, the goal setting of next week. She skipped her one-on-one again today. I'm frustrated. I don't know how to manage a personality or like you and I to talk about John attitude, um, but I'm not, how do I manage that personality? Any ideas would be appreciated. Thank you in advance. Oh, PS, by the way, we're a remote operating company. So a couple of layers there, John. What does yeah. the sage say? <laughs> the sage. Um, you know, to me, my first reaction is, is this person an introvert? Is this person being antisocial? Right? I mean, and so in some cases, right, we're working with individuals that need, like they're introverts, they're very shy, they're not, right, they're not going to address things, they're not going to get into that. I don't think that's the issue, right? I think there's an underlying issue of disrespect. I think there's an underlying untrustness. This this employee's like, look, I don't trust you. I ain't gonna work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had that happen to me. I've had seen that in some of my clients' work and some of the times when I was managing where the employee's like, I'm not doing nothing. I'm, I don't care. I'm not dealing with it. And it needs to be addressed, right? And so- to me, this person probably made a mistake when that person didn't show up for the first one-on-one, right? And so you need, if somebody doesn't do what they're expected, right? And so again, I think I would start with, does this employee know what is expected of them? Have you sat down and said, look, these are your objectives that you need to meet. These are the tasks that you need to meet. And this is our values and behaviors related to our values, right? And so- one of the things that we're all going to have to do is meet with our boss, right? We, whether we want to or not, we have to meet with our boss. <laughs> That's going to be a built-in expectation of the job. And mm-hmm. when we don't do that, that's in subordination. And it again, first time, maybe not. Hey, um, I noticed you didn't show up for our one-on-one. Look, these are really important. Here's why they're important. I need to hear from you. I want you to hear from me. I want to make sure that we're building this relationship up. We're doing all those things, right? We're connecting, we're making that there. And then if they don't show up at the next one, then I'm moving pretty quickly to performance improvement plan or progressive discipline or writing them up, doing something so they know that I'm serious and that this behavior can't continue. Um, And I would really, that's how I would address it. What would you say on that? I think you got it. You hit the nail on the head. And uh, sometimes we talk about, can you write up an employee for attitude? Can you write them up uh, for uh, personality? And you got to just boil it down to the actual behaviors, the expectations, make sure everything's aligned. And there could be other things at play here. We don't know what this person was like before, uh, after. Are they upset for something that the manager did? And there's no trust to be able to say. So I think you need to sit down and, and basically say, all right, you need to help me out here. What is going on? Is there anything I need to be aware of? And then you lay out the, my expectation is this, I need you to be here. And this is where you are. So good, good, uh, good answer, John. Thank you. 
Yeah, and I would I would also say that as I remember this story, I think the author of this story gave us more information and that the employee was only like two thirds of her direct report. The employee also reported to the big boss, right? And so now we now it gets there's another layer of complication in there because the big boss may be like, no, she's doing great, right? She's fine, she's great, she's talking to me, I'm doing all those things. And then that kind of triggers me like, well, if they're okay with the big boss, what's happening in your relationship that they're yeah, not okay with? Right. And so kind of doing that. All right, what's our last question, Chuck? Last question, we got about three minutes. If someone is an exempt employee, exempt meaning they are exempt, salaried employee, let's say, can they ask to be switched to non-exempt to become an hourly employee? Does the employer, this was just the questionnaire, does the employer need to honor their request? Yeah, and I think it's interesting, right? So here's the thing, and I always kind of remind my people in my classes about this, our clients about this. The exempt role is designed by its very nature to benefit the company, not the employee. Right. It doesn't benefit. There's no way you can tell me it benefits the employee. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to. Right. They're used to because there was all this status and all this kind of stuff. Not so much today. And so, yes, you can move. You can make all of your employees non-exempt. If you want to do that for your company, you can do that. Now, here's my concern. Right. And it always goes back to consistency, Chuck. Right. It always goes back to consistency. If I move that person to non-exempt. Are there other individuals in that role? Because if I'm treating them like non-exempt, the FLSA wage and hour division is going to come in and go, why are you treating them as non-exempt and not the rest of these individuals? You should be treating the whole class of employees as non-exempt, right? And so again, looking at that, I think, I mean, again, it's not, a, my answer is it's up to you, the company. You don't have to honor that request. If you feel strongly that they're exempt, that's great. I would then, like, if you're reaching out to me as a consultant and say, can you look at this? I want to look at that person's job description and really rule that they are definitely an exempt employee. Because Absolutely. maybe they're saying to you, oh, I think I should be non-exempt and you're not treating me that way. And then that's going to end up in a lawsuit, right? And so yeah. you're going to end up on the HR Stories podcast uh, and then we're going to tell your story on what do you think? Absolutely. Sir? Where there's smoke, there's fire. And I tell all managers, one of the key things they need to learn. I got this from uh, my friend, uh, Tanya, who teaches a lot of seminars with us. She's an attorney. She says one of the top four skills in any management is issue spotting. And why is this person asking this question? Uh, you better take a look at their roles, their responsibilities to make sure that you can, like you said, keep them at that exempt role. Uh, but you, the bottom line is you do not have to honor that request, but you should look into it to make sure that you're on solid ground. So these were great questions. We are at our 15 minute level folks. You've been listening to the HR stories podcast, 15 minute question and answer session questions from our listeners, questions from our team of HR uh, one community on Facebook Thank you for listening once again to the HR Stories podcast, where there's a lesson in every story. For every question. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast. The material presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only. 
Chuck and John always recommend using an employment lawyer or HR consultant to handle any legal concerns or HR issues. We do our best to double check sources and make sure the information we are providing is accurate. We may eliminate or embellish without changing the basic narrative to make the story easier to understand. In certain circumstances, we may change identifying information to protect the innocent. The HR Stories broadcast is brought to you by the team at HR Stories. The team at HR Stories is designed to help anyone with HR responsibilities be better at managing the employee experience. To engage with us, go to the hrstoriesteam.com and learn more about how the team at HR Stories can support your business or nonprofit. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every story.